Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CageSidePress.com. I'm Daniel Gubby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC off again this week. That's right. Uh, holidays have been brutal for us UFC fans who have not gotten a chance to see a fight in quite some time. But that doesn't mean we don't have great content for you guys because today we are interviewing two fighters who are fighting on the next UFC card on January 15th. First, I'll be talking to Vanessa Demopoulos as she gets ready for her bout with Savannah Juarez Gomez. And then I'll be talking to TJ Brown, who's getting ready to fight Gabriel Mowgli Benitez. And in addition to that, we're doing our combat countdown this week for our predictions of who will be the champ in each and every weight class at the end of 2022. You're going to get my picks, you're going to get Shockwave's picks, and you're going to get them nice and neat and quick in your ears. But before we get to any of that great content for you, I have to let you know that this episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports bettors, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. It's basically like YouTube for sports betting. Head on over to betterthan.vegas, where you can browse, search, and follow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests in every sport imaginable. In fact, you can check out my bonus pick for you each and every UFC event, but you can only find those at the Top Turtle MMA page on Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. And joining me today is Vanessa Demopoulos, who fights Sil- Silvana Juarez Gomez at UFC Vegas 46. That fight is on January 15th. So, Vanessa, I, I want to start by taking you back a little bit. Y- you were on the Contender Series. You lose that fight. You follow that up by losing your 115-pound title at LFA to Lupi Godinez, who-, who goes on to go to the UFC. Can you talk to us a little bit about where you were at your in your career at that point and, and where your headspace was at that point? Man, yeah, um, way to rock it in with some, like, <laughs> traumatizing experiences. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I think that it's really difficult for any fighter to experience a loss, you know, because, like, we work so freaking, freaking hard at everything that we do. So to be able to, like, go out there, and, I mean, those were two, like, very fucking huge moments. Like, those weren't just, like, your average run-of-the-mill, like, another fight another day. Like, that shit was contender series, you know, like, make it or break it moment. And then the Lupi Godinez fight, which was a title fight, like, make it or break it moment. Like, bro, like, to just have, like, two of those in a row. And I I believe um, they were, like, within a few weeks' time. You know, I had, like, three fights amongst, like, three three months in a week. Like, that's a lot. That's a lot of fights. And every single one of them went the distance, except for the first title fight, which went into the fourth round. So it was really disheartening. Um, it was very much like, fuck, like, I need to create adjustments. Like, I need to make some shifts. Um, I did a lot of reflecting, you know, and it was like, I knew that this is what I wanted. I knew that this was, like, where I wanted to go was to the UFC. And, um it was like, how am I going to get there? And what needs to happen now? I don't even think I took like a week off. I think I went right back into the gym and got right back to work. I hopped right back on that horse. 
you know, I was not going to be defeated. Um, I just happened to have taken some losses. Yeah, and I, I want to talk about some of those changes that you made, too. But I, before that, I, I want to talk about what you bounced back and did. Because you, you bounced back with an absolutely stellar knockout. You know, like one that that people were talking about all over the, the Internet. It was all over Twitter. Do, do, you, do you feel like immediately after that that you were right back on the, the UFC's crosshairs? Because you get signed off of that fight. So, you know, having two tough losses, being in a down spot, the highlight reel got you right back in there. Did you feel that that was what happened? A little bit of it, yeah. I mean, fuck, that didn't hurt, you know, to get a 37-second TKO, um, <laughs> like, against a world champion karate person as well. So, you know, you're talking to a grappler, known for my grappling, like, it's not a secret, you know, and then to TKO a world champion stand-up artist. Like, that was crazy. You know, I think the girl had, like, five knockouts or some, something insane, you know, and it was just really, um, it was amazing to me, you know, and it's like, you truly can like do this. Like you can fucking do this, Vanessa, you know? And, um, I just continued to like work on my craft. I, I got right back into the office, man. Like, this is what I love. Like, this is my passion. This is my dream. Like, you're not going to take it away from me. Like I worked my whole fucking life for this. I've gone through so much for this right here. These types of experiences, like I'm not just going to sit down because I had a little bit of a backslide, you know, that's not who I am. Well, I, I love that mentality. Now, I, I did want to take us back to some of those adjustments you made, because I, I know part of the adjustments was the move to Fight Ready MMA, where you've been doing your camps now. It, it's obviously not real close to where you were in, in L.A. And, and where you were you were kind of putting your camps together through multiple different coaches and things like that. What what sort of drew you to Fight Ready of all of the different places that you could, you know, have a, a complete looking camp? Um, honestly, I, I saw, yeah, it was the complete camp. Like that was the part that truly like really drew me, you know, when I was living in Los Angeles, it was amazing. I was getting like expert level training in every single area. Um, I had a boxing coach, a jujitsu coach, a Muay Thai coach, a wrestling coach, and everyone was at minimum 45 minutes away from the other training. So it's like each coach each training that I went to was like super far from the next it was a lot of traveling it was a lot of separation and um I was essentially needing to kind of act in the role of a head coach because none of my coaches saw me at the same time you know and when I came out here I was like man like I all of the coaches are at all of the trainings every day like, it's not a question. Like, the boxing coach is there on wrestling days. Like, the wrestling coach is there on the sparring days. Like, this is a team, you know, and it's consolidation. And it's being able to, like, take my time and use it way more wisely. And all of the coaches see the work output that I'm putting in and the mindset that I have towards each area. So it's just perfect. Like, it's, it's so much smoother out here for me. Well, and that's great to hear. Now, obviously, you know, part of that, like you said, is putting together a, a, a cohesive game plan and all of that. And, and in your UFC debut, you don't really get to do that because you're fighting on crazy short notice against the tough veteran in J.J. Aldrich. Do you feel like mm -hmm. that's part of what hindered you there is not being able to put in the full camp? How did how did your body feel in the fight? What, what did it feel like for you to make that no, that fight on such short notice? 
Yeah, I'd love to make excuses and be able to lean on them, but I think the facts are is that JJ was a better fighter than me on that day. Um, I was in great shape, and I I was already a part of the camp that was supposed to be against JJ Aldridge with um, Tracy Cortez. Now, I was not Tracy Cortez's training partner by any means. Um, we are two different weight classes, two different sizes, and uh, two different specialties. But um, I was there, you know, and I was getting to see a lot of the mindset that she was putting into the camp. And um, so I had a little bit more confidence walking in there than maybe I should have had. And uh, JJ is a very experienced fighter. She was worlds larger than me by the time we both walked into the cage. I was already preparing for a 115-pound bout. So although the fight was on a week's notice, um, I was getting ready. I was in shape and I was already like small. So like that whole week, I'm trying to like shove as much food in my face as possible. Um, yeah, I, I felt I felt like I did well out there. I fought my, my heart out, but it just wasn't enough to get the W in, in that case. And that was unfortunate. But I, I was still really fucking proud of my performance. And you should be. And now you get a chance to fight somebody who is going to be actually your size in, in Silvana Juarez Gomez. <laughs> now, I, I'm wondering if, if you've obviously watched her fight. She she got the same deal as you. Short notice bout. Fought Lupi Godinez, a fighter you fought. What did you think of your performance and what did you take away from that as you prepare for her? Um, well, Loopy's fucking tough, man, and uh, I love that girl to pieces, but she is not to be messed with, you know, and I went all five rounds with Loopy to the point where that chick was throwing the kitchen sink at me, and I wasn't moving, you know. Um, I felt like Silvana, like, hats off to her for taking the fight on, uh, again, a super short notice, but um, she made 115, you know, like, so that was impressive to me. And then the fact that she went out there and just like, you know, she tried to play her game. Um, I don't, you know, like there's not a whole lot to say to that because she did take it on a short notice fight, you know, and you got to give her the respect on that. So, um, but fuck, I just, you know, me and Loopy went to fucking war, man. And Loopy made really light work at Silvana. So I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. I think uh, everybody can be the judge on that situation. Yeah, so it, it sounds like you, you're not the type who's going to give me a prediction then because that's usually where I try to leave these things is I, I try to get a, my fighters <laughs> to make predictions. Now, I will say, you know, if one of the weak spots it looked like she had was her grappling. Do you clearly see that to being the big path to victory here? You you know, you mentioned your jiu-jitsu is your specialty. Is that where you see this one ending? Oh, I mean, fuck, dude. If it goes to the ground, like, I love jiu-jitsu, man. Like, I've traveled the whole world doing jiu-jitsu. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I, I've competed against literally the best grapplers ever. I've competed against the GOATs. You know, I've been training partners for some of the other best grapplers in the world. Like, this is, like, grappling is definitely my thing. But do not fucking sleep on my hands. Um, I was actually a striker before I was a grappler. So little secrets there, you know, like people don't really recognize that and they don't give me enough respect for that. And that's cool, dude. Let people sleep on me. I do not care. Um, but yeah, this is absolutely going to be an amazing fight. I'm really looking forward to this, you know, especially at the 115 weight class. Like, let's show up. You know, she's had a lot of time to get ready as well. So she's had a full camp. I've had a full camp. You know, let's see who's a better athlete on that day. I mean, I know who the better athlete is, but we about to find out for real. Well, we're looking forward to finding out. And fans, once again, this was Vanessa Demopoulos, who fights Silvana Guarez Gomez at UFC Vegas 46. That fight is on January 15th. Vanessa, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it.
Yo, thank you. I appreciate your time. You're amazing. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Vanessa Demopoulos. I once again am Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined now by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, we still don't have any MMA, so I really don't have any banter for you. I mean, I guess there were some like small amounts of fights made. We could, I guess, talk about Marina Rodriguez is going to fight Jan Shaunan, but that doesn't really move my needle all that much. And instead, I think we should just get right into the combat countdown. I love it. Hey, not going to argue with you. It doesn't move my needle either. So let's do it. It's our favorite segment on the show. Well, tied for our favorite segment on the show. It's Combat Countdown, and this week we are going to break down, as we've been known to do every year on this podcast, our predictions for who will be the champ at the end of 2022. So it's literally me and you going back and forth, and we'll, of course, weigh in and ask our fans on Twitter and social media. You can reach us at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter, ditto on Instagram. We want to hear your picks. Let us know if you think our picks are trash as well. But who will be the champ in each division come December 31st, 2022? But before we do that, Gumby, does anyone sponsor this edition of Combat Countdown? Absolutely. The Combat Countdown is brought to you by Double Nickels Sports Betting. You can check out Nickels over on Instagram at 55DoubleNickels55 because my guy is said to do five picks each and every morning from NBA, NFL, MLB, and of course MMA. And I'm not lying when I'm saying he's hitting five almost every single day. And if not, he's probably giving you four of them. And unlike so many of those other tipsters who are trying to get you to follow their picks, he's given out so much more than that. Nichols instead hits you with tips and insights that consistently put him at the front of the game. And while you might not believe me, you could be alone on that because nearly 30,000 people are following him now on Instagram and with prices that never exceed 10 bucks a day and that go as low as $4 a day, there's no reason not to give him a try. Plus, if you mention our podcast when you sign up, he'll hit you with a 10% discount. Don't delay. That's at 55DoubleNickels55 on Instagram. Double Nickels Sports Betting. All right. Well, I like the idea that we will go from lightest to heaviest because I actually think there's some very interesting questions about our heaviest fighter in the UFC concerning his contract, not so much his ability to defend. So we'll save the best for last. And let's just start with our lightest champion. It's Rose Namayunas. She's 115 pounds is the female uh, strawweight champion. Who is holding that belt if it is not Rose come December 31st, 2022, Gumby? So I'm actually going to go with a long shot pick here in, in the it's one of the only divisions I have like a real weird pick. But I'm going to say Marina Rodriguez, uh, mm. you know, the aforementioned Marina Rodriguez fighting Yan Xiaonan uh, early in the year. And she actually went three and zero in 2021, which I think people slept on. It includes a win over Mackenzie Dern, one over Michelle Waterson. She's, like, peaking at the right time right now. And I also think she's just like a bad matchup for Rose. So if Rose gets by Carla Esparza. And, and Marina gets by Yan Xiaonan, I actually think that's the title fight to make next, and I, I like her chances. So uh, my long shot pick for Strawway is going to be uh, Marina Rodriguez. How about you? I really respect the heck out of the pick. She is certainly on the ascent, and I think Rose, um, you know, uh, I, I don't know how to say this. I, she's such a great champion, but she's certainly not a dominant champion. And I feel like at the right time, at the right place, she could be beaten in 2022. I lean towards Rose keeping, that being said, but I'm also going to make maybe an outside-the-box pick. And it's so 
stupid of me to make this pick because you'd actually have to have probably a double switch. I'm picking Zhang Weili, Weili Zhang, to be champion again at some point, and I might as well just pick it for next year, 2022. Now, how would that happen? Because the UFC is not going to rematch them. But were someone to beat Rose, I would think that Zhang would be right in there as the first title challenger. So this is such a stupid pick on my part, but I actually believe her to be the best fighter outside of Rose Namajunas in the division. So I'm just going to go with that, even though the calendar probably doesn't help that pick, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. And I, I could totally see if, if Carla Esparza wins that rematch, I, I could see Weili Zhang getting that, that fight in, in, I mean, I would certainly pick her over Carla Esparza. So you're right. The calendar is probably the biggest obstacle in that, but I don't hate that pick. Uh, also wild that neither of us think Rose is going to be the champ. Yeah, I agree with that too. All right, let's move then to 125. We'll start with the men. We have two champs at 125 uh, and the male champ is Brandon Moreno. Are you picking Brandon Moreno or someone else? I'm actually going to go opposite. Like, like I'm not going to take the champ here either. I'm going to take Askar Askarov. Um, I, I think he's a miserable matchup for Brandon Marino. They fought once. They fought to a draw. Um, Askarov is going to fight Kai Kara France in what everybody assumes to be a number one contender fight. I sort of think uh, Askarov's got a, an ugly style there for Kai Kara France to deal with. We just watched him absolutely out-wrestle Joseph Benavidez uh, and dominate him. I'm really high on Askar Askarov. I, I think he's going to win uh, that fight with Kai Kara France, and I think he's going to hold the title at some point in time this year. So I'm going to go with, uh, again, I'm going with not a champion retaining, although that will change in the women's side. Who you got in men's flyweight? I can't believe I'm doing this again. Oh, my God. I'm going with Figueredo. Oh! Hey. <laughs> I, I really, I like, it's not even a smart pick, but I just happen to really believe in him. I think he could come back. I think he could beat um, Marino on the rematch, and I just like it as a pick. But again, you know, I mean, it's it's not something I feel great about, but that's who I'm going with. Let's move to uh, 125 women. Valentina Shevchenko is a dominant champion there. Does anyone decrown de de her? No, all, all the people who I really like at women's flyweight are just like a little ways away. And so I'm going to say she's still the champ at the end of the year. The same here. The less said, the better. Bantamweight, Al Jermaine Sterling is the champ, does not feel dominant. Piotr Jan is the interim champ. Who's holding the belt on December 31st, 2021 for men's bantamweight? I'm going to go with Piotr Jan. Um, I think not only does he win the rematch, he probably defends against somebody like TJ Dillashaw or Jose Aldo, and I think he handles those guys pretty easily. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Piotr Jan, which is sort of a, a champ retaining. Yeah, agreed. Uh, let's. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. We'll move then to female bantamweight Juliana Pena just unseated the GOAT Amanda Nunes. Nunes already favored in the rematch. Who's holding the title December 31st? Amanda Nunes. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I really have to say that much about this either. I think that that win was Amanda Nunes on her very worst day. I think she wins the rematch, and she is back to being GOAT status champ at the end of 2022. I agree. Let's get to one that maybe has a little bit more juice behind it. Alexander Volkanovsky has defended his 145-pound 140 pound title a few times now. Um, if you wanted to know the rankings of top five, you have Calvin Cater, Chen Sung Jung, Yair Rodriguez, Brian Ortega, and Max Holloway. Uh, who's holding the featherweight title next year? I'm going with Volk. 
Uh, I picked a lot of people going after it, but I would say Volk. I am intrigued by Giga Chikadze. Me uh, too. Yeah, but not. I don't think enough for me to pick him yet. Uh, and I also think he might need two wins to get the fight, and I'm not sure that we will see uh, Volkanovski that frequent. So unless it happens at the very end of the year, I don't see him getting that shot this year. Uh, so I'm going to just stick with Volk. I'm not playing this game well because I agree <laughs> with you that I think the calendar will screw me on this, but I think Giga Chikadze is a future champion at 145, and I like his chances more so than I do, let's say, Calvin Cater, Josh Emmett, um, even Yair Rodriguez, for that matter. Guys like that, you know, he's, Max Holloway is not fighting for that title again next year. It just can't happen. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go Giga Chikadze, someone as an outside pick. It's crazy to say this, but we also have to talk about the fact that Amanda Nunes is the 145-pound <laughs> champ. There's no one else even signed to the frickin' division. Is she still the 145-pound champ? For the yeah, of course, she, of course she is. I, I hope they get uh, Kayla Harrison to sign in and, and fight her. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I'm leaning with Amanda Nunes. If she even defends that title, she probably won't. For my money, the next two divisions we'll talk about are the deepest in the UFC, pound for pound, however you want to say it. If you look at all the fighters on the roster, and there are a ton of them, I think 155 and 170 each have like 80 guys or something like that signed to the UFC. And number 50 in the UFC would probably be one of the best fighters in any other organization on the planet. That's how good these divisions are. Now, one of these divisions has a clearly dominant champ making a case for, you know, future Hall of Fame and potential GOAT at the weight class status. I'm, of course, talking about Kamara Usman at 170. Charles Oliveira, you know, since 2018, almost a different fighter uh, on like an 11-fight win streak, the current champ, but doesn't feel dominant yet, and you have guys like Justin Gaethje. Poirier, who he just beat, albeit close fight, so to speak. Benil Darush is in there. Islam Makhachev feels like he's on that Khabib status or the Khabib trajectory. You also have guys like Michael Chandler, who, again, Oliveira beat, but, you know, always in a fight. RDA, Tony Ferguson still in the top Eight, you also have to mention a guy, he's more of a whiskey connoisseur now than he is a fighter, but Conor McGregor. And you also have someone like Gregor Gillespie on the come up, too. So 155 has so many interesting challengers. Who do you predict as the champion next at the end of next year? I'm going to go with Charles Oliveira, believe it or not. Uh, I, I'm, I've been picking a lot of champs to retain after, uh, you know, going belt switching in the early weight classes. But while I really like Islam Makashev's chances to take the belt off of him. Uh, I'm worried about the calendar. So I, I've been really cautious with the calendar here. Um, but I, I'm particularly worried that what's going to happen is Oliveira is going to fight Gaethje, who I think he demolishes. I think he's going to, and then I think he's going to fight Conor McGregor, who he's going to just absolutely embarrass. Uh, and then maybe that's it. That Maybe that's Charles Oliveira's year. And if it's that, like it sucks for Makashev. But uh, yeah, Oliveira, champ, December 2022. Yeah, I'm going to, you know, it's funny. I'm going to pick Makachev here just because, again, I'm more so picking the guys I think will be future champ, and I'm not, I'm just not playing this game smartly. And that being said, I don't even hate Oliveira in that match. I actually kind of like Charlie Olives against Makachev because I think he can avoid the takedown. I think he could grind him out. I think he could drag him into deep waters. We haven't really seen Makachev tested. And a striker, the level of Charlie Olives, is so good. Um, but that being said, 
I also really like Makachev's chances in that fight. I can't wait to see that fight. That, to me, as a fight fan, is the fight to make. I don't need to see Conor McGregor versus Charlie Olives. Like, Conor McGregor fights someone first. And I know the business reasons why that, you know, I'm not a babe in the woods. This ain't my first rodeo. I get why Conor McGregor would get that fight, but I don't want to see it. And I think Makachev's, you know, Makachev could demolish Darush and be right there for title contention for fight week in July. I don't know. I'm going Makachev. Call me crazy. 170 pounds. Who you got? This is almost as easy as 125 women for me. Kamara Usman. And it's not hard. Um, He's the best welterweight on the planet. And uh, the only people who can make it close are ones he's already disposed of. Yeah, you know, the wild side in me says, could I predict Sean Brady or Cosmat Shimiev? I'd like to. Um, Could they upset the world, much like a Juliana Pena just did to uh, our goat in uh, Amanda Nunes? Eh, Maybe, but I wouldn't put my money on it, so I'm with you. I'll just stick with Kamar Usman. Middleweight, we have another dominant champion, so to speak, in Israel Adesanya. He's got a rematch against Robert Whitaker, the former champion. Not a ton there. To say, well, I'll just kick it to you. Who do you think is going to be the, the middleweight champ? Uh, Izzy. I, I think Izzy's still going to be the champ. I, I'm not picking a lot of new champs here, but I, I think Izzy is just going to retain. Um, I, I like Whitaker, and I think that's a fun match. I think he's got fun fights with Brunson and Sean Strickland probably lined up for 2022, but uh, he's beaten Brunson once already, and I don't really see enough in Strickland for him to be worried. So, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Izzy Adesanya. I agree. Uh, This belt has been a bit of a, it's tough to call it a hot potato, but, you know, since Jones has vacated for the billionth time, I don't even know, you know, two years ago, uh, we've had Jan Blankovitz, who defended one time against a middleweight, and then he lost to Glover. Glover, who we all love, it's a Disney story. I don't think we all feel great about his long-term prospects of keeping this title He's got the destroyer uh, in his sights in Yuri Prajaka, and it just doesn't feel like this belt is ready to be stabilized. So who are you picking here? Uh, I, so I went back and forth between two people on this one, and neither of them are Glover Teixeira. Um, I, I, I'm going to go with Yuri Prohashka, but I'm going to go with a 1B pick here, too. I also just want to mention Alexander Rejic. Because um, I think Rejic is going to fight Yuri Prohashka for the title towards the end of the year after Yuri does what I kind of expect him to do to Glover Teixeira. Um, I think it's going to be an exciting fight. I think it's going to be a great light heavyweight fight. I think it's razor close. Uh, and I'm just ever so slightly going to edge in Yuri's favor here because the dude is nuts on the feet. Uh, it's crazy to watch that dude strike and a lot of fun. Uh, so I'm going to go with Yuri Prohashka. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go with Rachik, uh just because I think Yuri beats Glover and then we'll have a battle of the hard names to pronounce. And I think Rachik could beat Yuri, although I probably like Yuri a little more. But now I'm actually going to play this game a little better because I think Alexander Rachik could beat either Glover or Yuri. So I like picking him because I think he'll get the fight after the uh, I think he'll get the winner of the title fight. So, I don't know, kind of a fun pick. I'm going with him. I I dig it. And I I think too he's he's like the more technical safe light heavyweight when it comes to striking. Uh plus he can wrestle a little bit whereas Yuri is just like he's a, that dude's a madman. <laughs> 
I agree. Uh, so now we've come to the end, Gumby, and it's the baddest man on the planet, the heavyweight title, and there's a bit of controversy here because Francis Naganu will be defending against Cyril Gain in January. Uh, good fight. You know, I think Cyril does stand a chance, although I'm probably leaning towards Naganu in that fight, but Naganu is very unhappy, and there is a very public war of words taking place between the UFC and Francis Ngannou's management. And this goes deep into like, you know, if you've ever watched Entourage, somewhat of a like Hollywood agent warfare because Ngannou is repped by CAA, who are the main rivals to Endeavor, uh, which started as a Hollywood agency um, and now has grown into owning the UFC. They have a division that basically owns live entertainment properties, the UFC being the main one. So I don't know even what's going to happen with Naganu and his contract. Um, but yeah, who are you picking here for heavyweight? You know, all of that aside, I'm still going to take Francis Ngannou, Um because I think so we, there is some sort of clause in their contract that if they they retain their championship, they, like a fight gets added on or some shit like that. So like, ultimately, I think he's gonna beat Surreal Gain. That one fight, like he's not just gonna sit on the shelf and not fight until that like one fight has like the you know the sunset period expire on it or whatever. I, he's gonna fight again, and so like, why would the UFC not try to like work him through an extension then? Because I think he is so marketable, and I think ultimately he wants to be with the UFC, despite the fact that like we're hearing all of this stuff. He just wants to be paid what he's worth because he knows he's a superstar. So like, if he goes out and proves it again, why wouldn't the UFC pay him? Um, that being said, I think there are so many interesting options if he does leave, or even if he doesn't. Um, and I came really close to saying Derek Lewis there. I'm going to be real honest. Um, but no, I'm going to take Francis Ngannou. How about you? I'm taking Brock Lesnar. I think he's going to come <laughs> back. No, just kidding. Uh, yeah, it, I think you, you summed it up perfectly, Gumby, and I agree with you. You take away the contract BS, and I think Ngannou is the pick here. The contract stuff only just makes me think, like, you know, could he sit out and there's some delayed labor strife and then they just call another, cause we know the UFC loves those interim titles. Um, could they strip him? I don't know. But that being said, take that aside. Naganu is the pick for who is going to, you know, to not be defeated for the title in the cage. I can't necessarily predict what happens outside the cage. If that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And, uh, uh I, th I think that's our whole list. That That is our list. Well, we hope you enjoyed it. We, we enjoyed bringing it to you. We thank you so much for another great year of listenership. Please hit us up on our Twitter, at MMA and let us know if you like these picks. Let us know if you think they sucked. We're accepting both love and hate feedback currently. Gumby, what happens now? Now we're going to transition to my interview with TJ Brown, who talks about working at Glory MMA and his upcoming fight against Gabriel Benitez on January 15th. And we're going to get to that interview for you in just a moment. But first, let me let you know that this interview is brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial art, you can use Maroon Social to log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and oh so much more. Ditch that dirty jiu-jitsu journal and get yourself Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. Maroon Social brings you this interview with TJ Brown. 
Alright, and joining me now is TJ Brown, who fights Gabriel Benitez at UFC Vegas 46. That fight is, of course, on January 15th. So, TJ, I want to start by talking about your last fight. Because, obviously, going into it, you're on a two-fight losing streak. And it, that, that's a tough time to be in the UFC when you're brand new. How much pressure did you feel going into that fight with Kai Kamaka? Yeah, let's let's not beat around the bush, man. I, there was a lot of pressure on me, and honestly, I, I was in I was in fear of, uh, of getting cut, you know. But but you know things like that, though, that that pressure really, uh, well, they say pressure makes diamonds, man. And, and I went out there and I did the necessary things I needed to do uh, to get that win. Like uh, I had I, I switched camps a bit, went to Glory MMA, kind of spent time away from my son just to just to focus on that camp and. And I went in there and, you know, fought my butt off and uh, I got the win. Well, I was going to ask you about that switch to glory, too, because, you know, I know you're from Arkansas and, and I know that, you know, you've obviously got your son there. Is that a permanent switch for you? Are you doing all your training camps in glory now or are you are you moving back and forth? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a bit back and forth. You know, uh, I, I work back home at that gym as well, so. When I'm not in camp, uh, most of the time I am back in Arkansas. But now that I'm back in camp and I got a fight scheduled, I'm in glory right now. So, so how does that work? You know, obviously I don't, I don't want to get too much into your your home situation, but how does that work with your son? Does he travel with you? Does he wind up staying back in Arkansas with people? Like, what what's the situation there? Yeah, dude, that, it's such a it's really such a stressor for me. Luckily for this fight, uh, he's in Christmas break. Um, so he, he's able to come up here with me and spend the next uh, couple of weeks with me. Uh, so, so I'm lucky this go around and man, I'm just lucky that, that James Krause and the guys at glory are, you know, they're, they're nice about having my son up there. You know, they, they, they let him do the classes at the gym and they're real welcoming. And so he, he's with me most of the time, but, uh, luckily I have, uh, a bit of, of family back home that, that, that's, uh, that spent some time with him as well. Well, that's awesome to hear. Now, I, I got to ask, too, you know, not a lot of dads get a chance to do a fight camp with their son, you know, sitting there watching them train and stuff like that. What's that like for you to be able to share that those moments with him? It, it's cool. You know, it's, it, it's good and bad. You know, uh, I I've, I think sometimes looking back throughout the last 10 years of me fighting, you know, Kyler, my son, has spent a lot of time in the gym, you know. But, but fortunately, you know, it's paid off. You know, one, one good thing about it is, man, he – He's my number one motivation, you know. Uh, you know, there there are times I can look over at him, or you know, I wake up and man, what more motivation do you have than to get out there and get to work for your son and, and to make things happen for your son? So I mean, it's special, and you know, I think it's good for him to see as well. You know, I think it's good for him to see that I'm not out here just telling him things to do or telling him to do this. I'm out here living it. I'm out here doing things a man is supposed to do and, and providing for his son and, and setting a good example. Well, I love hearing that. Now, I did want to return to quickly talking about that win over Kai Kamaka because you mentioned all the pressure going into it and all the things you did leading up to get that win. I, I just got to ask, what was the relief of hearing the announcer announce in your winner oh, by unanimous goodness. decision, TJ Brown? Oh, my goodness. You know, they're, they're, they're very rare moments. This, this is very rare to have moments like that in my life. You know, I mean, Contender Series was awesome. The birth of my son was awesome. But man, you know, when I heard my name uh, over that, you know, the the, the announcements, they announced me as the winner, man. I just, it was, I mean, I, it's hard to explain to put into words how amazing that feeling was. 
it just it also is a bit of a relief, you know. It's a bit of a relief, you know. It's like, man, you know, because I've known all these years how good I was, and I I just wanted to showcase that to the world. I wanted to prove to everybody, you know, that that I was as good as as everyone thought, and 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 it just it's a bit a bit of a gratification, a bit of verification, you know, that 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 I did get that win finally. Absolutely. Now, I, I want to talk about the upcoming fight as well because it's an exciting one. You're fighting Mowgli Benitez, who who is. Uh, kind of well-rounded. It, it's interesting. It, earlier in his career, a lot of people saw him as a submission threat. Now he seems like he's really into striking. Do you expect right. him to want to grapple with you? Do you expect him to want to mix it up on the ground with you? I don't know. You know, you, you brought up a great point. Um, I, I, I think, like you said, you've seen, I've seen him change. After I've done a lot of film studying, I've seen him change a bit uh, throughout the years and, and maybe even slow down a tick these last couple fights. Um, but you know, uh, what's most important to me is that I go out there that TJ Brown performs. I go out there and perform, bring the fight to him, put some pressure on him. And, and I'm telling you, if I go out there and perform, it's not going to matter what, what night he has, I'm going to go out there and put him away. Well, I love that mindset. Now I, I did want to ask you a question about your, your film study, because you mentioned there that you've noticed over the years, it, it sounds like you've seen quite a bit of him. I've talked to fighters in the past who said they've done, you know, the the little bit of film study with their coach or some that say, you know, they they don't like to watch any film at all. But it sounds like you do some pretty extensive film study. Is that stuff that you do with your team? Is that stuff you do at Glory? Is that stuff you do on your own? How, how do you break down film? Right. Uh, I'll leave a lot of that up to my coach, James Krause and Roy Delgado to do most of that film study. However, uh, within the last few years, man, I've really benefited from doing a bit of study myself. You know, you know, I, I was the, I was the exact way of when I first started. Uh, I, I didn't like to even look at my opponent. I just worried about me. And and now at this point and, and where I'm fighting now at such a high level, man, it, I, I'm a fool not to do a bit of study myself. So uh, it, it, it's a group effort. Well, I, I like hearing that. Now, before we, we finish talking about the fight, I did want to ask one more question about working with James Krause because obviously, you know, you made the decision to work to Glory MMA. We, we've heard all of the amazing things about James Krause and, and what he's doing over there and how he's turned that team into something really special. What, what was it about James that, you know, sort of lured you to that gym and, and has kept you there for all of your training camp since then? You know, uh, the the Glory MMA is really something special, man. I, I, I don't know who all has had the opportunity to go over there, but to be in the middle of the Midwest, like in the middle of nowhere, he's got a group of savages in there that, that built this culture, this culture of, you know, that that the team culture, you know, people are – People are, are counting on each other. People are pushing each other. And not only that, you know, he's one of the few coaches we have right now that has the experience he has to be an active fighter, to have the experience he has, and to be putting so much time into his fighters. Like, man, if you'd watch this guy, he's so busy. Like, he's got he's got his, his hand in a million pots, you know, but, but somehow still makes time for me. He still makes time for the other fighters there and, and, and to, to, to give you his best, you know, like – He's not in there just running you through the mill, you know, like he's really putting time in you. So he makes makes time for me, makes me feel important. And, 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 and man, it's when somebody really cares about you like that, that, that has the, the technical side and that has the, the brains that, with it too, man, it's something special and something I want to be a part of.
Well, you're going to get to show those brains and, and what you've been working on together on January 15th. And before I let you go, I'd like to ask all of my fighters for a little bit of a prediction. How do you see this one going down with Gabriel Benitez at UFC Vegas 46? Uh, I'm a knockout, first round. All right, well, you heard it here first, folks. This was TJ Brown, who fights Gabriel Mowgli Benitez at UFC Vegas 46. That fight, once again, is on December 15th. TJ, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Hey, man, thank you for the opportunity, man. Thank you for the platform. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turn MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We could not do what we do without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social, Better Than Vegas, and, of course, Double Nickel Sports Betting. And remember that you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Journal MMA. We're going to give you all kinds of great fight night coverage when we do get back to fight nights. And we've got all kinds of other good stuff for you over there as well. Now, until next week, I'm Dave Goodby Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And we'll catch you then.